0: Looking I really get the clickin', I'm looking for is system to
1: Hi and welcome to Absolute Clarity, your number one travel management podcast brought to you by Clarity, your business travel experts. I'm your host, Kyle Daniels, and today we're gonna be talking about Clarity's recent acquisition of Ian Allen Travel. You may have seen this in the news recently. So today we've got the managing director of Ian Allen Travel, Pat O'Neill. We've got Clarity's CEO, Pat McDonough, the two Pats. And we've got Clarity's group head of HR, Jane Harrington. We've got them all in the studio and we're going to be doing a little bit of inside baseball. We're going to be going behind the scenes of the acquisition, who approached who, what they really thought about each other before the acquisition itself. Uh, Obviously, they've competed against each other for a number of years. So without further ado, let me introduce you to our guests. Welcome to the show. So this is going to be a difficult one for a lot of the listeners because we've got Pat McDonough, Pat O'Neill, so it's going to be Pat M.
0: Imagine the phone calls. And Pat O. (laughs) Hi, Pat. How are you? Not bad, Pat. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking oh, more about the, <laughs> the board calls when you're all on the line and it's like, Pat, have you done that? And you just
1: wait for someone to answer. <laughs> I've done nothing yet. Pat, give us a little bit of background, obviously, into you first and then we'll talk about Ian Allen travel. So how did you get into the travel industry?
2: Okay, well, I started, uh, I was an accountant, I set up my own practice and uh, I became involved with a company called Management by Air. Uh, that was in 1985. Uh, so that was my first main client. And I spent two days a week there moving forward with it. Eventually, I became a shareholder in it, um, minority shareholder, but I became its finance director. And then latterly, its uh, managing director. And in 2002, the main shareholders decided that they were going to sell on. And Ian and Allen acquired that company. So I moved over with it with a couple of staff here that are still from Management by Air, namely Steve Orwin and Dominic ayera Epke, who's one of the consultants here. So uh, we moved over in 2002 and I became the Director of Operations for Ian Allen and then Managing Director. How long was it before you became the Managing Director of Ian Allen? I was here until... Well, it's about seven years, I think.
1: For the uninitiated, who are Ian Allen Travel?
2: Ian Allen Travel, we're a family-run business, part of the Ian Allen Group, set up by Ian Allen back in '64, predominantly focusing on rail at that time. It set up a travel business. It sold out in uh, 1988, actually. It was predominantly retail at that time. And it sold out in '88 to W.H. Smiths. Bought back a, a trading license off them when they couldn't make the business element of it work. And we grew back from there in 1988. So. We had branches at that time in Bracknell, London, and here in Shepperton. And of course, we acquired Bristol in 2002 as well. Uh, that was formerly Lysacre Travel Management. And what do we now specialize in? Okay, well, we specialize in the academia, uh, humanitarian, and of course, the corporate travel as well. And what made you concentrate on academia? Uh, we had a specific skill set, but it, I must be honest, um, UCL came to us, they were dropped by BCD Travel uh, back in 2008 I think it was and we picked that up that account and ran with it and uh, that opened a lot of doors for us. So fast forward
1: 2019 Pat M when did Ian Allen Travel first come on the radar for yourselves?
0: I think it was just before Christmas, so we were made aware that there was a, a level of interest in Ian Allen, actually, from other parties, and and we had a, an internal conversation, decided that very much that that would be something we would be interested in because we've competed against Ian Allen, especially in academia and uh, and charity sectors for a number of years. It's a business we've had a great deal of respect for. And we thought, you know, too good an opportunity to miss, uh, to to build a bigger competence in those areas, a business with a great service reputation that, you know, I think would have added to what we already have and was, you know, aligned in its values. And then, of course, the process went from there, really. So, um, you know, it it did at times take longer than we would have liked, but uh, these things tend to, but really pleased to have got it over the line.
1: Okay, you mentioned the conversation before Christmas. So who is it that's actually making these decisions? Is it yourself and the group CEO? Is it yourself and the board? Uh, Are you just in your kitchen eating cornflakes? You see this in on the news and you think, Oh, actually, this might be good for clarity.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's obviously something we discuss as a team um, and uh, we take everybody's opinion on uh, before we dive into any kind of process. There may be things that, uh, you know, one of our, our exec team would uh, would see that others wouldn't value, that others can see, etc. So we always try and deal with these things as a group and talk about uh, about potential acquisitions in that manner. I think to try and go out there and do these things on my own or just a couple of us doesn't make any sense, really.
1: Yeah. And what was your take on Ian Allen Travel before this?
0: Well, as I say, we, we competed for a number of years in similar sectors. And uh, and taken business off each other over the years, and saw them as a, a very strong competitor. So, so that was our awareness. And there's, you know, when there's an opportunity to to build scale in a certain market and focus on a competence that others don't potentially have, then there's there's real value in that.
1: And Jane, as uh, Group HR Director, what were your thoughts when Pat came to you and talked about the opportunity that was there and the fact that was it 80? just under 80 staff is it Ian Allen so obviously you're then thinking oh there's another 80 staff that I've got to look after
3: (laughs) Uh, I knew Ian Allen from my Portman days at Chertsey because in terms of recruitment and trying to attract staff they're one of our biggest competitors so I knew that the caliber of staff that they had was high which is always good and we are always looking to expand the good people that we have so it's a great opportunity for us
1: that's a very professional answer. What was the real one? Was it of- That v- was the real one. <laughs> was there a bit of Isn't stress? at near to home. <laughs> <laughs> that was the real yeah. one, honestly. Palpitations a little bit.
3: Uh, yeah, it's-
1: <laughs> We're pushing you on answers here. We're not, we no stereotypical kind of, were you nervous?
3: <laughs> yeah. Bringing 85 people on board is always a big challenge, but it helps when they're good and engaged, makes it easier.
1: From yourself, pat feels weird calling you that what did you think of clarity beforehand
2: as pat m said um, we'd come up against each other in various bids and in the academia sector i'd met redmond uh, a few times at various gtmc conferences and uh, of course Nicky duffy had attended perhaps a couple of times before Pat did, so uh, Pat M, that is, of course, yeah. he, he attended. Um, Our audience will know Nikki Duffy. So, so heard yeah, of I think um, with Nikki. Yeah, yeah. Nikki's, uh, <laughs> makes herself known, so yeah. uh, I think that's a fair comment. No, I don't think she'd tell me off <laughs> for saying that. No, Not perhaps. quietly. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, quite. So I knew of Clarity. Um, from what I'd heard, um, it was it had a very similar ethos to us. As I mentioned earlier, we were family-run company. Um the priority, uh, we'd, we'd had a number of approaches um, prior to Christmas, as as Pat Emmer referred to there, um, but we discounted those. Um, what we, was
1: the main, re- we won't talk about who approached, but what were kind of some of the reasons why you discounted those companies?
2: Um, it was always the Allen's intention to secure the future of the staff that were involved in the business. Um, there's a lot of loyalty there from from the family's point of view. And we wanted to make sure that, A, the company was the right fit for those people, and B, that there was longevity in the future for those people. And that was reflected in the discussions right from the outset, which made, from our point of view, uh, the discussions continue, uh, and then the due diligence process started.
1: So when did you first approach them pat and when was the first
0: well, it would have been december last year when we we had the first conversation and and as as pat said the the intention to look after the staff was there from the first conversation really um and it's not it, you don't often get that you know most of the time that you know buy a, a seller sorry will be uh will be quite relaxed about those things and they're looking for maximum value etc.
1: Was that reassuring that you were going down the right path then? Cause you were speaking to someone that had a real sense of loyalty to the staff and that made you think that the ethos is like
0: Pat o was saying was there at the beginning. You, you definitely feel some reassurance that people are valued and looked after by the business. Um, so, so yeah, it's, uh, it's a positive. It's a really big positive when you, when you are having those conversations, uh, it, it perhaps shows that, that, uh, things like, uh, employee churn, is minimised, that people stay because they're happy. Off the back of that, people are productive. So lots of real positives around that kind of attitude. The you know Nice by-products of it would be, as we say, a low staff churn, high level of service, uh, long service as well. So we, we do take that into consideration. How does that initial conversation go? Is it just you pick up the phone ring up and say, hey, hello, Paul, how'd you, how'd you, uh, <laughs> <are> you looking at <laughs> <to> selling? <laughs> <laughs> Look, uh, in a variety of different ways, we well, usually will make contact with the, with the owner of, of the business and arrange to meet and have a chat. Uh, you usually uh, pick up on the, the vibe in terms of whether or not somebody wants to sell pretty early, really, so they either want to have a meeting or they don't. And, uh, and you know, we, we had established relationships already with those people through the GTMC, which is now the BTA, and uh, and Paul was, as chairman, you know, I knew Paul fairly well, being on the board, uh, and so Redmond. Uh, and who is Paul? Sorry, for the Paul Allen. Sorry, uh, was uh, the chairman of Ian Allen Travel, and one of the Allen family who who sold the business, and and he was our our principal point of contact. So, how long is it before the two Pats kind of met? And fairly fairly soon after, really. I think you know, Pat was aware throughout the process, uh, which is which is important as well because you, you don't want to run a business in the dark. I've been in Pat situation where, you know, the business is for sale. It's good to know what's coming. Um, and, and Pat is obviously an integral part of those conversations because... He's running the business day-to-day.
2: I met with Redmond and Mark Nevin, I think it was, just before Christmas or just after Christmas, um, and we progressed the conversations from there. That was uh, Paul Allen and myself, I think. From your point, Paul, were you reassured by the initial conversations you, you had with Clarity? Most definitely. Um, I thought you were going to say mostly, then. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, mostly, most really, most yeah. definitely. yeah. Um, pay for questions. lunch, though. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I don't think we had lunch that day, if I think you remember correctly. No, <laughs> no, no. Um, it was a, a very formal discussion at that point, obviously. And uh, we went away and then considered what was uh, discussed. Um, then there was uh, the usual sort of situation where you start kicking a price around and, and a value for the business. Um, heads of terms had to be agreed. And then, as I say, the normal due diligence process took place.
1: Pat, as someone that has literally just gone through this, I mean,
0: we're talking, was it 2017 that the final bits were done with Portman? 2016 we, 2016 we acquired Portman yeah November 2016 and then I'd say we've just completed the integration project yeah. integration when done properly is a deeply involved and time-consuming task mm-hmm. and uh, and and we did everything we integrated from front to back there are others out there who don't integrate businesses and you know you end up with this collection of businesses that operate in different ways yeah. that becomes really hard to manage so so we've just been through that process. It means that on a on a larger scale, because you have to remember the Portman business was, was probably four times the size of the Ian Allen business and a comparable size to the Clarity business as was then, um, that we're well drilled now, you know, we're ready to, to do this because we've done it before and we can probably do it quicker because of the scale and because of the experience doing that, so... Um, so there's, there's, quite, uh, there's quite a lot of good experience come from, from that that means that the integration can go well here. And the aim with any integration is to minimize customer impact in a negative sense, to maximize customer impact in a positive sense. So you, know, you don't want to create challenges for them around uh, contracts, around the way things are built, around asking them to make changes to the way they do things to suit the TMC you want to deliver additional value to them in terms of new technologies. Uh, That might be a new booking tool, it might be new management information opportunities, it might be a new duty of care platform. So we want to deliver on the positives and ensure that the business keeps running on the day-to-day as smoothly as possible. So you have to take your time with these things, you have to build a programme, you have to understand how you're going to execute it and make sure you bring everybody along the way with you. Jane, Pat's just talked there about
1: the integration with Portman. Mm-hmm. As an exec member, Yes, you'll have probably seen the merger differently with Portman. It was a lot of work. It was the first time we had done it. It was equal sizing. Doing that again was that bit quite difficult for the exec team. We've just gone through that to be like doing it again
3: we probably could have done with a bit more of a breather but when these guys get a, get <laughs> into all idea out in pats head, like, this is never on the show off again off they go yeah we, as, as pat said we had kind of finished one so i guess he likes to keep us busy we did as pat said it was a big integration we learned lots of things to do and a few things not to do so this time it's a lot easier Definitely. I suppose
1: straight after it's in your mind isn't it it's there you pretty much set up for it anyway you've probably got project leads in
0: well you are you know really honestly you're in the wrong place if if you want a quiet life uh, that's not the way things work <laughs> I love it everyone's <laughs> nodding yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah it's true um it, I'd get bored I think most of my exec would get bored if we weren't doing something uh you know you might enjoy the breather for a while but very quickly you get bored you'd want to go on to the next thing and even if we're not acquiring, then those energies are put into improving as well. So so there's always something going on within the business that keeps people occupied. And you know, one of the biggest improvements you can make is to acquire capabilities, and that's what we've done with Ian Allen. So really pleased with that. And yeah, when the opportunity comes about, you, you can't really dictate the timing
2: most of the time. I so think th- it's also fair to say that there was um not just from an operational point of view with experience in the, the academia and humanitarian areas, which were common, um, but in the back office, in the accounting section, we there was a common platform there, which is, a, from what I can gather anyway, a big plus point in, uh, in the, the uh, synergies that will happen and, and the way that uh, people use the system. So we we're all using the same back office system, which is a real plus point in, in the merger. Well, that's one of the most painful
0: parts of any merger like this is lifting and shifting things between back office systems and we don't have to do that this time so that's, uh, that's a big positive for me Roughly 650 staff between the two businesses mm-hmm. How did you keep this a secret? Anybody who undergoes this kind of work if they can't act professionally and they can't respect confidentialities then They're not the kind of people we want to do business with. Equally, I don't think people would want to do business with us if we can't do that either. Um, So discretion is really, really important. It's kind of, you know, I I always have some kind of football analogy, so I'm going to give you another one. You can act like Real Madrid and and brief all the papers that you want so-and-so or even just come out and say it, we want so-and-so. Unsettle the player. um, Upset the club that you're trying to buy the player from and operate in that kind of manner. Or you can, you can act with some integrity. Like Liverpool Football Club. like you, lovely, what you, yeah, It yeah. felt like that's where you were going. <laughs> it wasn't part, really. yeah, yeah. Uh, But uh, you, no, you can act with integrity. And, and then you know, when you sign a player, you say something, you don't do anything before then. Um, we don't talk about what we're doing openly because, as I say, we, we go about these things professionally. Um, it can derail a deal. If you get a loose-lipped about it, so no, we keep our counsel and we and we work away on it until there's anything to tell people. We won't be telling anybody anything.
1: So, how long was it from the initial contact to? I, I don't know how much
0: signing the paperwork. So, what's the what was the time well, scale? In this case, it was about six months. In other cases, it can be a lot quicker. You know, we uh, we we've done a deal recently where it was literally a four-week mm-hmm. turnaround. It depends on the deal. It depends on a lot of circumstances. It often depends upon the factors outside of your control. It definitely depends on solicitors and accountants. uh, Everyone uh, nods around the the table. (laughs) We will film these one day, just so you can see the, you know. don't uh, think you will. (laughs) 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 At times they can take a little bit longer than we'd wish, but they're there to protect everybody involved and, you know, do things properly. So uh, it it depends. the, The bigger the deal, generally, the longer it'll take. I mean, this is something that I'm not
1: well versed in, so I'll ask as a layperson, but so how does it work in terms of, there's a ceo and possibly there's a ceo on the other side or mm. there's a, a group
0: hr director and there's a group H how do things like that work so we will we'll, we'll tend to have conversations up front with management teams about uh, the the likely outcomes uh, how the structure would lo- work in the future but sometimes you don't know until you get the other side of the deal you always express uh, an openness in terms of how you go about it um, you'll be the first to know if anything changes. Um, so so we, we try and approach things fairly, but it very much depends on the deal, that. So you weren't scared, Jane? You weren't
1: thinking it was going to be a, a HR director? That Jane was... was
0: all good. She knew there wasn't a HR director,
1: <laughs> so she was... Uh, oh, was it not? <laughs> oh, easy peasy. Were you pushing yeah. for this then? <laughs> yeah. No, sign it. Sign the deal, guys. <laughs> Don't read it. <laughs> uh,
3: it is unsettling, as, as Pat says, but we do try to be transparent and open up oh. front and allay those well, it Jane's really. a good
0: example of somebody we spoke to really early doors and said we don't have a, ha- a head of HR as it was at the time. Haven't you done well? So you were mm. desperate, weren't and, you? Uh, and we said, so, <laughs> so it's it's you and uh, and drop uh, <laughs> right in it. Yeah. yeah. So you know, that was sometimes there are the conversation. Actually, yeah, it was actually yeah. Sometimes there are there are gaps to fill, and I and feel like it was a podcast because last season <laughs> you were head of. You do yeah. one show with us, get
1: some good viewers, and suddenly you're Maybe a that's director. It, yeah, the exposure. And considering Pat signs these off, you <laughs> would have heard. You he would have <laughs> definitely listened to this episode. No,
3: it was. It was a conversation that said, "We don't have this position. Do you want to give it a go? It's in Manchester. There'd be some travelling. So, yeah, it's it, it's worked out well for me. So I probably am a good example.
0: That's a great decision. <laughs>
3: <laughs> if they were filming this now,
1: <laughs> from which side? <laughs> From a HR point of view, what things are you looking at when this acquisition is going on? So obviously the paperwork stuff's going on the back end, but you're probably preparing yourself for these 85 people that are coming in.
3: I don't know a lot about them, to be honest, to kind of protect confidentiality. A lot of the data we get is, is anonymous. We don't know names. We just get kind of staff lists, job descriptions, who's where so i'm trying so get to get like put, a rough idea yeah of trying to landscape. put trying to put all that together and get a sense of what's going on who have we got um whether there's any learning and development in place how they do recruitment so it's just trying to figure out what you might be working with because until you get in on day one and talk to the people you're never 100 percent sure
0: well you've got to get beyond the spreadsheet because you've got
3: there's loads of spreadsheets. You know, you haven't
0: got names. You've got numbers and, and,
3: titles. and
0: titles. And what Jane needs to do is get in here and meet the people. We've done an engagement survey really early doors to understand yeah. where the current pain points are, what the positives are. And that informs what we do from here, from a, a people strategy perspective. But it, it has to be the, pretty much the first priority of the business as we go in. I suppose it's probably difficult in the sense that clarity are a bit of an anomaly
1: from a lot of businesses that people will have worked for in the sense that it's a very open structure. These open and honest is there. It's very culturally driven. Uh, there's a really kind of strong family ethos, I'd say, within the business. A lot of people have worked here a very long time or have worked with each other a very long time. When you're acquiring another company, is that at the forefront of your mind of, we need to get that across? We need that to rub off
0: on the, the deal as well. Yeah, and, and sometimes that's difficult because... Um What happens during a scenario like this is people can jump to conclusions and they think "Oh, these guys are just a, I didn't sign up to work for a great big TMC, I signed up to work for a family business, I've been here a long time, this is different, I don't like it. And one of the early jobs is to to make sure that people become comfortable with what's on offer and excited by the opportunities that presents and we're actually down here today to do just that. Um, so we're so presenting Shepparton to Shepparton branch today. So there. it's Shepperton today and Bristol tomorrow. And uh, and this is really the, you know, here's what we have to offer you. And this is why you should be excited by it. You know, hopefully people buy into that, but it's an ongoing process. It doesn't just happen with one presentation and everybody's on side. Plus, we also, you know, we're working to make sure that we're making it clear that there will be challenge along the way as we change the business and that, and, uh, you know, it will
2: be worth it in the end as well. I think that's really fair to say, Pat, because, uh, you know, there's been a great representation from the team here at Clarity. Um, They've come down, they've been available. uh, Their presence has been felt here um, on a positive side of things. And I'll give you an example of that. Um, Particularly, we mentioned that the the accounting systems were, were common, so a common platform. So the accounts department and the finance section We're pretty concerned at the outset because logically, if you look at your organisation chart, you'd think that everything could just be lifted and dropped in. But uh, Mark Nevin um, assured the team that that wasn't the case. Um, And similarly, we've had Sarah Owens here from the Stafford Branch both last week and she's here again today, which is great. Uh, giving a a sh- trip, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Loved it. Be careful, she'll be signing off your expenses at some point <laughs> or paying them. But she's done a great job in, in sort of being, being open and honest about it. And I think uh, whilst I can say something, and it's the same message that I said to them when the deal was done, um, Pat said exactly the same thing to them, um, so is Jane. But I think when they hear it from directly, if you'll excuse the expression from the cold face, that's when they really uh, start to believe in it too.
0: Is this anything that you're kind of looking forward to over the next, I'd say probably 12 months, isn't it? Excited well, for? the next step is the uh, engagement with the customers, going out to see them, uh, telling them more about clarity, um, what they can expect to receive in terms of additional benefit, and really you know, focusing on the, the upside of this transaction for the customer. Understanding where new opportunities may lie as a consequence and really working hard to make sure that, you know, we maximize the value of the purchase. And it it will be down to our relationships with the customers and building those and making them even more positive than they are now that determines whether or not this transaction is a success. So in particular, we've got client conference in November, which will be a, a new experience, I think, for most Ian Allen customers, great opportunity for clients to come together and meet like-minded people doing the same job or similar um, in similar organisations, to meet suppliers. We don't stand in between the suppliers and and the customers, so they will get the opportunity to meet them. And then to network with the the whole Clarity and Ian Allen team um, at the the evening event and during the day and, and just learn a bit more about what we've got to offer as well as general industry trends and so on. And then going on from there, uh, obviously it's about new products and services we can introduce to them and uh, we'll get them up and running on those as and when they choose to use them. If they want to remain as they are, then they can do that too. Uh, we're only about adding value to what they're doing already. It's interesting to hear saying that if
1: you're happy with the current level of service, by all means keep at that level, but we'll always be there
0: to show you new innovation that we're doing at Clarity. Well, we've always been flexible in terms of what we can offer the customer. Um, if a solution suits them, they're happy. Then we'll we'll work to that. Um, I think Ian and I are very similar, so um, there's no one size fits all rule for this. And um, and I think consequently, you you can meet the customer's requirements, what, whatever they are. Uh, where we see opportunity to do things better, we work with the customer and and figure that out. But but generally, we're not going to force anybody down a down a path. or are there are plenty of mostly technology-driven TMCs that, that will choose to do that. And you either like it or you don't, um, which you know, can work for them as a business model. We're technology driven with a human edge, so we, we absolutely try and make sure that, that what we're delivering works for the customer, even if it, it maybe isn't a standardized offering from us, we we have the flexibility, we have the, the abilities and the technology to, to work around a customer's requirements, so we'll keep doing that.
2: I think that flexibility and, and serviceability of the clients is, is something that we as Ian Allen were looking to be able to get out of that acquisition as well because in many ways we were a size and shape we were too big to be small and too small to be big and without that investment without that that offering as, as Pat's mentioned the uh, duty of care aspect the uh, passenger tracking etc is something that we we needed to sort of enhance our skill sets within our offering and and also you know a bespoke platform or bespoke online booking tool so we've got all of those things in our armory now, as long as as well as the existing tools that we had.
3: You just know I'm going to say people, don't you?
2: Well, you leaned forward <laughs> then. So, Jane was pretty much laid down for.
3: I was. I was. Well, you <laughs> talked about football. I'd nodded off. About bringing people into our organisation, making them part of the family. It's a great opportunity for the guys out there, and they're welcoming it already. They've got access to training now, access to you know bigger opportunities to move around in the company, and they they're really embracing it. So, I'm looking forward to that continuing.
0: Yeah. So, with the exception of going down to the, the down to the pub with us tonight, um, the uh, it's not
3: compulsory that by <laughs> it's the not way.
0: compulsory, but you know they're they're attending. But your drinks required. are paid for. There's twenty down there already. They're <laughs> yeah, waiting. Yeah. The tab's <laughs> open. You don't know that yet. <laughs> um they'll be talkative then so that's that's good <laughs> the next highlight there is march and the and the, the old staff conference uh, which we'll do a saturday i, th- I think it's march yeah, anyway it's march. that's where we're planning and um and that's that's again their opportunity to meet everybody within the business and uh, and just enjoy being together and learning a bit more about what we got planned
1: so usually at the staff conferences
3: we've got a really ropey house have not we at the staff conferences
0: yeah well I, I mean, he's in the been
1: past doing it a couple of
0: years that, so. now. Yeah, it'll, it'll be Pat now. Pat will be Pat and Pat. No, we've done that
1: before. We'll right. be like, w- was it the Muppets where you had the two? <laughs> <laughs> Not that you guys are Muppets, right. but you know you had the two people in the in the wings. Statler just, and Waldorf. That's yeah. it.
0: Yeah, that's it. I'd say that's more like Redmond and Mark. Actually, that's why Redmond turns off. <laughs> and Calls Pat. This I'll is a you. test. Does he listen to the podcast? <laughs> we, we will soon find out. Yeah. The answer no, guys. <laughs> I'm just going to
1: spoiler alert. No. So I'm pushing forward, who are we buying next? <laughs>
0: you know, I well, think we covered that. this, haven't
1: we? we so. I don't
0: know. I'm just I'm asking the questions. Well, I can't tell you. I used to. Okay, yeah. are we looking? We're always. Are we looking? window shopping? We're always aware of what may potentially go on in the marketplace. Who may be for sale. Um, And it will be down to whether or not the time and the value is right. And uh, and yeah, there are always opportunities out there. But we we tend to focus on three key things. Um, Does it bring something to the business that we don't already have or want to build on? Geographically, is there some kind of complementarity in that? And we haven't done that yet, but we might do. And is there any technology that we'd like to, to, to add to what we already have? So they're the kind of focus areas. So if anything like that comes up, then yeah, we're, we'll be looking at it.
1: So if you think you match that criteria, contact us at, <laughs> at claritybt.com. Okay, so before we close the show, we usually do a first, best and worst. And obviously we've heard from Jane in the past and we've heard from Pat M in the past. But Pat O is an absolute clarity virgin. You have not ever told us these. So this is your first best and worst business travel experiences. So we'll start with your first business travel experience. What was that?
2: Okay, my first business travel experience is when I was, uh, as an accountant, as I say, I was uh, doing some work for a company called Data General, and I had to go up to offices in Scotland to do a stock check. And I opened the, this, what I thought was a, a cupboard, and it was actually a doorway into a stock room. And there were millions, but millions of microchips that were going into their computers, and they all had to be counted. That was the was worst. Was that your job? Yeah. (laughs) My worst (laughs) business trip. till now. Uh, So what was your best? Best business trip, again, um, in a previous life as an accountant, I had to go out to Houston in Texas uh, to collect uh, monies that were overdue. And I landed there. They presented me with the cheque as I arrived through the gate and then entertained me for the whole weekend. I went around the Johnson Space Centre and uh, went around all NASA's place. It was a fantastic weekend. Came back with the money on the Monday morning. Everyone was happy and so was I. And are you going to stick with the microchip One is your worst or is there an even worse one than that? Uh, there has to be one which was um, perhaps not particularly business related but I was on a, a rugby tour and uh, Woke up in the morning to find about 15 fellas in our room, uh, all paralysed. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. right. All part of the team? <laughs> all part of the team, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, one of those messy nights. <laughs> That'll be on the uh, after dark version of Absolute Clarity. <laughs> we'll come with
1: that. Right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, guys. Really appreciated that. For more information on Clarity, visit www.claritybt.com. I've been your host, Kyle Daniels. Thank you to Pat, Pat and Jane. And we will see you next time. Goodbye.